The sea bells were ringing. Caius, walking by the side of a shaggy pony who needed no leading this close to home, listened in wonder. The dunes were scattered with them, fragile purple flowerheads the children called hare's bells, dancing in the wind. Twenty summers ago, a child himself, Caius had heard them often. Then time had passed, and like all childhood songs, their music had vanished into the sounds of the world. He halted the pony on the crest of a dune. From here, the whole coastal plain was laid out before him, a long wild stretch of salt flats and grassland that paralleled the glimmering sea until both melted into the distance. A vision of heaven on a spring day like this one. Drawing a deep breath, Caius let himself forget the long winters, when the gale swept down untrammelled from the north, scouring every living thing to tatters in its frozen sand-filled blast. He did love it here. Unlike his father's stronghold in the hills, his new home stood unsheltered, a collection of low buildings on a small tidal island whose causeway twice a day was sunk beneath the restless sea. And the tides come highest at the dark and full of the moon, because then both sun and moon line up to pull the water. Caius smiled in pleasure at the memory of his latest heretical lesson in astronomy, taught him in the darkened church with an apple and a candle flame. Abbot Theodosius spinning the round apple earth by its stalk. Yes, round. And Caius and the other monks watching open-mouthed. Kai loved Theo's teachings. There was nowhere else to learn a thing other than farming and warfare in the whole of this bleak northern land. Not until you reached the monasteries clustered round the River Tyne, fifty miles to the south. Kai couldn't regret the path he'd chosen. The eldest son of a chieftain, he'd walked away from a rich inheritance of land and men. But all old Brockus cared about was feasting, fornication, and clobbering the daylights out of the warlords who occupied the hill forts next to his. Here, the very soil was sacred. Kai was an uncertain convert to the new faith, but he could feel that much, sense the rightness of the ancient name the tidal island bore, a name like the yearning cry of a bird. It rose up in his heart. Fara Sancta, the island of the holy tide. Fara. Movement in the distance caught his eye. The trackway here was lined with odd green mounds. Theo taught that these were the burial places of men and women who'd lived here long before Christians or old Roman warlords had ever been thought of. But sometimes Kai wondered if the local superstitions might be true. Tales of fairy creatures you should never name aloud as such, addressing them respectfully as the good folk, the kindly ones. At twilight on the dunes, it was easier to believe in fairy tales than history. And even in the brightness of noon, when a green mound stirred and a shape detached itself from the top, leapt down and began to stump towards him. Dunan, he called, hoping he'd managed to conceal his nervous twitch. Why must you lurk there? We're better to waylay a bonny young monk on his way back from treading. Kai blinked not quite trusting his vision, though the air was crystalline. The old woman had an uncanny knack for covering ground. Kai remembered her as ancient when he'd been a baby in the hillfort stronghold, and she hadn't seemed to age since then. Still, she was stooped and fragile, and he couldn't quite see how she'd closed the gap between them so fast. But I'm early, he said, watching in amusement while she shamelessly began to open the pony's baskets and leather sacks. 
The weaver I was meant to meet at Trepane Law never came. How did you know I'd be here? How do I know that the weather will change? How do I know where to find the snowbound lambs? What's in this satchel here? Don't you know? She stopped in her efforts to undo the satchel's thongs. She shot Kai a look of withering scorn and laughter. You're a devil, Caius, even if you do wear a dress and sing songs to your new god. Is it beads? And gold? Kai affected to brush flies from the pony's ears. He was glad of the reminder concerning his cassock, which he'd folded up into a pack in favour of his travelling gear, tough deerskin trousers and a homespun shirt. That was all very well for the road, but now he was within sight of Farah, he'd better soon get changed.